There we go. Now there we go. Oh, God. Okay. Um, so I just hit record, so I do apologize about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so, so we're starting back from the beginning. Um, yeah, so just tell me a little bit about yourself. I know that you're the executive director over at the Shanahan House Museum, um, but I also mentioned that you are very involved in the community. I know that you, um, you, you work a lot, you know, in here in the museum and as well as you're always out and about somewhere. So if you could just give us a brief overview of what you do. So I, yes, I serve as the executive director of the Historic Stranahan House Museum here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, I do the, uh, oversee the operations of the museum and the person responsible for the fundraising, the financials, um, the day-to-day operations, and the marketing. And outside of that, I am involved with the Association of Fundraising Professionals, uh, which is an international organization, and I'm the county past president. I do volunteer work uh, with the Salvation Army of Broward County. I am on the City of Fort Lauderdale's Community Services Board, which distributes funds to nonprofits in Broward County. I uh, chair the Community Projects Program for Leadership Broward this year, and then do other work with other charities as that arises. Awesome. So um, you were, I know that you uh, went to school in North Carolina, I believe it is, um, and I know that you started out um, as an art major in college, um, and that actually shows a lot in, I don't know, but April Kirk does has an artistic eye that we just really admire and love about her here at the museum. So if you can tell me a little bit more about your educational background, um, and then we'll start to dive more into your actual responsibilities with social media here at the museum. Sure. So um, I graduated from Queens College in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a degree in, with two degrees, and a degree in art history and a degree in fine arts. And I minored in communications. And um, you want me to talk about, like, how that led to my first job? Yes. Okay. So um, I... In order to pay for college, I worked in the public library, and actually my work study was also in the school library. So I did a lot of research and that type of thing, and not to date myself, but that was at a time where they were putting public access to computers and the Internet in the library. And um, so I became the person that taught people how to use the computer and how to write a resume and things like that. So I was self-teaching myself all of those things at that time. And then... I um, had a college degree, and in the small town in North Carolina that we lived, that was a big thing, um, and that the fact that I had uh, communications and marketing, and I wrote, and I had English classes in our history, so I could write well, and I could research well, and those things combined, I just wanted a job in the arts, so I just applied mm-hmm to all the arts organizations in this small little tri-county area and just said, I'm I'm an art major and I want to work in the arts and here's my little tiny resume and please hire me. And I got a call from the North Carolina Shakespeare Festival that said, you can research and you can write and you have a college degree and we'll teach you how to grant write if you're interested. And I didn't really know what that meant, but it was the best decision I ever made. 
Um, so they brought me in. They taught me grant writing. They sent me to all these courses. Then I next I was in charge of their membership program. Next thing I was doing their gala. And I started doing all these fundraising things, and then I realized this is a career, and people do this for a living. And all I wanted to do, my goal was I wanted to run a museum. And I just, I was an artist. I didn't really know what that meant. I just wanted to run a museum. So then I realized, oh, there's a whole operations, and there's nonprofit, and there's fundraising, and there's ethical standards of fundraising and all these things. And so all of that in my whole career led me to the point where this opportunity opened up here where I could say, oh, I'm going to apply for a job where I can run a museum. And now <laughs> I actually know what I'm doing. Yeah. So that's how it all came to be. So I really admire you because that is um, more of an unconventional way, I want to say. You know, you just kind of um, found yourself into a museum without, you know, I'm at John Hopkins right now and I'm doing my master's for museum studies, but I really admire the people that have worked themselves over from one degree over to this part, especially with you, because you do such a great job at it, and nobody would really ever know that you aren't actually a history major or anything like that. Um, is there any formal training that you underwent to start to learn about social media usage? Nothing really formal. Um, I am, uh, so for work purposes, I don't actually have this in my personal life, but for work purposes, I try to be an early adopter. Mm-hmm. So when a new product, new technology, new concept comes out, I play with it and I watch other people who are doing really well and I try to mimic them. Um, one of the great things doing Leadership Broward and some of those other groups is I get to be around and involved with people who work for very large companies that have very high budgets to train them. So when, like LinkedIn, when LinkedIn came out, I followed this woman I know who had her boss paid a lot of money for her to get this professional LinkedIn training. And so I started paying attention to what she was doing. Mm-hmm. And I would ask her questions and I would see something she would do and I would look up articles on it and then really, and try to self-educate myself on those things. So, I mean, I hate to say that it's kind of like fake it till you make it. Yeah. But I, like, paid attention. I paid attention. Good. Well, it shows. Um, I didn't tell you this, but actually yesterday when we were having our uh, annual meeting, one of the board members came up and asked, who's responsible for the social media? Because it's actually very catchy. It's very attractive. So it shows that you've really been paying attention. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I forgot to tell you. Uh, so when you first came to the museum, what state did you find the social media accounts under? Uh, they were, so we're a historic house. And so the social media here originally was that typical historic house, older generation, not happening. Okay. And it was this concept of uh, posted on Facebook and they will come. But we had maybe 200 Facebook followers. There was no engagement. There was no interaction. And the things that were put on there were not Facebook ready. They were not social media ready. They were not sound bites or catchy or good marketing tools. Um, yeah, so you mentioned that we had maybe about 200 followers now on our Facebook page. What, do you know about how many followers we're up to now on Facebook? We are t- over 2,500. Okay, that's awesome. 
And so that grew. You've been here at the museum for about five years now? I've been here five years. Um, so Facebook's over 2,500. Uh, it's 2,574. I'm looking at it oh, right wow. now. Cool. Um, and that number fluctuates, and I and I try not to take it personally, but I know some people deactivate their accounts or, you know, they're turning over accounts from, like, corporate things change. So yeah, it stays around the 2,500, but now we also have Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest. I know you laugh about this. Flickr, still <laughs> viable. Um, and... I think that's all our things right now. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, Flickr. You know, we're working on a YouTube page. Um, yeah, so then uh, are you the only one that does the social media here at the museum? Now, I know that we're a small museum. I've, um, in, the course of, in the course of the classes, that, uh, all the readings that I've done in this class, actually I've seen a lot of bigger museums that actually have a dedicated department to social media itself. But I know that this, um, organization only has about six of us working here. So are you the only one that handles the social media? Um, and if you are, is that something that you just are passionate about and you'd rather handle it yourself? Or is it something that in the future you're looking to hand over to somebody? So I'm very protective of our brand. Mm-hmm. And so for pretty much four years I handled it. And now that I feel we've created a voice, Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our own hashtag that people identify with us. Um, we have a certain voice that people identify that um, I'm now starting to allow you to go into the Facebook and create events and do Facebook. I've had some friends who are really good social media influencers locally do an unofficial like Instagram takeover, like we don't announce it like a takeover, but during an event, I'll I'll give I'll give them access to our Instagram and just let them run wild with it. Okay. And they follow our voice, and they they maintain our social media. And and you probably never knew that. You probably never yeah. knew it because they just kind of maintain that voice. Um. And. Uh, We've had some marketing interns over the summer that they've we, we use that time to kind of boost Pinterest and things like that. We've done some YouTube videos. So I'm trying to create a plan now where it can be more robust and other people can get involved in it. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I get all the alerts. So I, I pay attention to that. If there's like a red flag, if there's like, a crazy person on Facebook that's making negative comments about it. It's coming straight to my phone. It's waking me up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I can deal with it immediately. And because of the nature of our museum that is so small, that probably will always be as long as I'm sitting in this role. Okay. No, that's great. Um, I know that places like, let's say, the Smithsonian or even, um, you know, History Miami, they, they can afford to have it on there on their budget to have a, a social media team. So do you think that um, do you think that we would benefit better from having a dedicated person deal with the social media, or do you think that just because we are a small museum, it's better if we keep it as a role that something maybe the executive director or maybe later down the line um, you would even have the curator be in charge of that? Do you think we would benefit from having a dedicated social media person? I, 
someone always has to be driving the bus. So there always needs to be someone overseeing it. But I think where we're going to benefit in the future is with other people participating. Um, last night we had an event here, and it wasn't until late in the evening when I was like, well, I can't be there and I can't grab a picture and post it, that that would have been a great opportunity for Lindsay, our rental person, to grab a photo, go straight in, post something. Yeah. And a lot of times the staff is really good about, like, texting me a picture real quick, and then I can come up with something. So there should be someone overseeing it, looking at the calendar, and then going to each of the different people and saying, oh, you're at this outreach. You know, you can send me the pic or you can log in and do it. So we have to have someone coming up with the plan. I probably mm -hmm. will continue to be that person, again, the nature that we're small. Mm -hmm. But we need to make it a little more robust where it's not just because I'm there and I remember to do it. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I'm jumping around here. Um, okay, so I'm going to jump over to um, hybrid programs. So in the last couple of years that I've been here, we've gone ahead and we've participated in several hybrid programs, such as Museum Selfie Day, uh, Smithsonian Museum Day Live, and International Museum Day. Now, when I, I'm sorry, I should have explained. When I say hybrid programs, I'm talking about programs that you can do both online as well as in person. Um, so these are three of the programs that I know that we've participated in. Because we are a small museum, do you think that uh, these programs are beneficial to us? Uh, is that why we decided to participate in them? Or do you think that those kind of hybrid programs are really meant for museums that are larger and can handle uh, it separately on their own? I think they've been, we've gotten some great press off them. And I think it's just because locally nobody has um, done things like this before. You know, so I think I think they've been good things for us, but we've learned some things. Like, we opted not to do Smithsonian Museum Day this year just because we just felt we couldn't handle the capacity. So we have to balance really good marketing ideas with what's best for the museum. And if it's not best for the museum, if the museum doesn't need 500 people coming through it in one day, then we don't need to do a marketing thing just because it's going to bring a lot of people to us. But yes. it got us a lot of press coverage, not just through social media. It got us press coverage in traditional media. Of course. Um, okay, so we did benefit a lot from a lot of those. Uh, you mentioned that we did decide not to participate in Smithsonian Museum Day Live. Um, do you have a specific reason why we decided not to participate in that this year? Did you think that maybe because we are so small, it just wasn't in our capacity to deal with that one? Or did you just feel we needed to move on to a different kind of program this year? I just think this year we decided let's take a break. Let's look around at what other people were doing. Let's look around. The, the other museums that opted to do it this year didn't get the same press that we had in the previous year. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's something as we're planning for next year, I think we again look at it. If it fits in our calendar and doesn't conflict, it's probably something we would do. But again, it's also how it can be managed. There's a return on investment. If we're spending a substantial amount of money in staff time, energy, resources to produce something that is not beneficial to us, then, then that's that's the main reason we would or wouldn't do it. Okay. 
Um, I know that you mentioned that um, a lot of the photos that we put on social media um, are either from you or photos that you have the staff uh, text you or email you when they're in the middle of an event. Uh, just to clarify, what is the photo policy inside of the museum, um, and how does it differ from what you had before? So when before you started, before when we had a different executive director, what was the photo policy in those days, and what is it now? I don't think there was ever a photo policy. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know the right words to express it. I, I feel that in the past, for a while, the museum was kind of operated by a loose collection of people who loved the museum and the history, but did not have a strong museum background. Um, so it was, it was more like a place where people came because they liked it here, but they didn't know long-term preservation needs. Okay. And I feel our staff now is really educating ourselves as a whole on how to better preserve the house. So with that, we learn along.